0: Gang. Welcome oh to my... Blog Talk Radio in High Fidelity. Hey everybody, this is Tom Hayes here in Boston, Massachusetts, Beantown, USA, on an amazing uh, uh, is
1: the Jade, is, is it what the twenty you meet somebody just, just blow it a little in music? Mind. Yeah. Sometimes you don't need Hey, Rudy.
0: Yeah, call the same number. Hey, gang, I'm on the air with uh, Rudy Reno on telephone. He's going to call in a few seconds, so hang in there. Yeah, sure, Rudy. Call in. Good. Thanks for hanging in there, folks. Let's play a little music before Rudy connects from Las Vegas, USA.
1: So what I need.
0: There we are. I
2: got you now, Rudy. Oh, we're connected.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we
0: finally got it. We're gonna get the uh, <laughs> we'll get the spider webs out of this thing. We haven't talked in a long time.
1: Yeah,
2: we we had a long dry spell.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, I got busy uh, this summer. I got on uh, cruise ships, and you were had a few uh, few medical problems late, earlier, but I'm glad most of those are straightened out, right?
2: Yeah. Did you do uh, comedy on the cruise ships?
0: Yes, I did. I uh, And it was beautiful because it was a small cruise line, the America Cruise Line, only 100 to 150 passengers on board.
2: Oh, that's good. I, I did the cruise ships for five years. Boy, it was the best five years of my life.
0: Oh, fantastic. It, well, you know, but that it, was in it, the good it, old days of...
2: No, that was after the Sugar Shack, and uh, after the the two years that I did at the Sahara, I get a call from this guy, uh, the sage in front of mine, uh, forgot his name, and he says, uh, you handling the platters? I says, well, I don't handle them, I says, but uh, I'm I'm still friendly with them. He says, well, I got a job for you on the ships. He says, uh, uh, see if you can put it together with them. So uh, I called the platters up, and they always wanted me to manage them. They says, Rudy, manage me. I says, they got no time, no time. This was her breed in the platters. They get, they got a lot of platters. So uh and her breed worked in the New England area for years. He used to work for us too at the Florida and everything else. And we got very friendly. So when I came to Vegas, we still kept in touch. And then I got a call to put him on the ships. So I said, Well, now I got a chance to, to handle you. I said, I got some time off. I said, If you want. He says, "Look, all I want to do is get to Vegas. I want to be like Louis Prima in the lounge. I want to be like a lounge king and work steady." I says, "Well, I can do that for you." I says, "Let me let me do this." I says, "You work you work in the in the New England area till I can pull you out and bring you to Vegas." So we agreed. So everything is nice and rosy. And uh, we do the first job on the the Norwegian lines. And he goes over so big that it's not even funny. Now, the Caribbean lines, the Royal Caribbean is one of the real big ones. So the girl that does the booking on the ship says, Listen, my friend is the booker on the Royal Caribbean. He says, I'm going to recommend the Platters highly. He said, they did a great job here. So I says, good. So uh, the guy on the ship calls me. He says, Rudy, I heard all about the Platters did a great job. He says, "Uh, let me tell you something. He says, there's a guy that books the ship exclusive, Joey Villa. Oh, I said, I know him. He's an ex com- com- comedy. He does comedy. He, he says yeah, and he books the ship. So I, uh, I uh, so he, he tells me, give me a call every week,
1: to say hello,
2: and I'll see if I can sneak you in for two weeks. So what happens is I keep calling him. Then I finally sneak him. He finally sneaks me in, and. Uh, uh, Joey, $12,500 a week. All right? Wow. Uh, when, we, when we went on the, the the Norwegian, I think it was $7,500 uh, wow. for the week. You only do two shows, two or three shows. You do one well going out and coming back. He says, Rudy, you right. got me the biggest day of my life. He says, I never got this kind of money in my life. Good, I just remember it. Then what do you think happens? Joey Villa starts calling him and uh, interfering with me. But I didn't get a paper with the guy, you know, because the guy used to work for me steady down in Florida for 10 years that we had the club. Right. He used to eat at my house. He used to come over the house and at my apartment and everything. So all of a sudden, we have a problem with Joey Villa. He he, the type of shit that I was getting, he wants to split it with Joey. You know, I says, "Who got you the job?" Oh, and then to, to begin with, they made the check out to me, not to him. He was so insulted, so insulted that he says, "Jesus, Rudy, I got to pay the house. I got to pay." The house. I says, "I signed the check over to you, and it takes the same time." It takes the same amount of time to cash it. So what are you crying about? So he kept quiet. Then Joey Villa steps in and he wants to split the command. I said, I ain't splitting nothing. So all of a sudden, I get a letter from him that he's going to go with Joey Villa and he sends me a $5,000 check saying goodbye. Would you believe this? And I didn't get a paper like a damn fucking fool. But I never thought wow. I guy worked for us. For 10 years, he worked at the Kenmore Club for years. And in Miami, he worked for us at the Swinger. I used to give him wow. four months a
1: year.
2: He used to come in. Wow. Four times a year at a month at a time down in Florida. All the work I used wow. to give him. And that's wow. the thank you.
0: He went
1: with Joey Villani.
0: Yeah. Well, listen, uh, what are you gonna this, do? This, this, nothing, nothing. This you a, know, you gotta take all right. This
2: is a strange business. People act yeah, funny, it's a strange I,
0: world, Rudy.
2: Yeah, one that's minute
0: he twenty
2: years and then what you when you can't give them a job or uh, whatever, uh where the strength lies, that's where they go. Yeah. So, well, what are you going to do? Short mind,
0: pretty short minded. You might have money, but you don't have peace of mind, you know?
2: Well, whatever it is, he passed away about three, four years ago, so God rest his soul wherever he is.
0: Right, exactly. And he had wow. a dine hey, of us. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. He had. He had a dynamite group, boy. It was
2: a very exciting. Oh yeah! His, oh yeah! His father,
0: he, he, was,
2: he was excellent, excellent.
0: Well, they had God. They had a run from the fifties.
2: Yeah. Well, they broke up. Uh, I don't know how long they stood together, but they broke up, and the herb went on his own. The difference right? see, Herb was the choreographer for the group, and he used to call the show. He used to call the songs and everything. And all that. He more or less ran the thing, you know? So yeah. when he went on his own, he was able to put the show together. Because that's what right. he did with the original group. Right. Wow. But that's that's, uh, that's that's doing this. Oh, and I meant to tell you, the ships were unbelievable. I I just couldn't believe the the work on the ship, the the treatment that they give you on that ship. It was unbelievable. I
0: recommend well, everybody.
2: cruise. Yeah, well, but that was when what nineteen
0: seventies, eighties, nineties. In the uh, in the late '80s, early '90s, I mean, 80s. yeah. Yeah, well, that's when it's a lot different than now, Rudy. What
2: are they doing now?
0: Well, I mean, some of these ships are six thousand people. Oh yeah. Well, we were, but we were about two thousand when we were there. Two, three thousand yeah, people on the two, ship. Yeah, two thousand is yeah. a lot different than six thousand. Well. You're right, but uh, they still maybe entertain the Right, right, but uh, maybe the Namex they treat well, give you good cabins and everything.
2: Oh yeah, they gave him a sweet. They, they, they gave him a suite, and uh, they gave us uh, one. They gave us uh, one, one cabin room for me, and uh, and plus. They used to have signs when you came to the airport. Uh, They used to pick you up with the uh, limousines.
0: Drive you right on the...
2: Oh, I'm telling you, it was royal treatment. Royal
0: treatment. Yeah, well, that isn't happening anymore. Maybe for the big acts, but not for the other acts. Well, those were the big acts at the
2: time. They had a... uh, Those were the headliners for the week, those days. Right, right, right.
0: Now, but, uh, you
2: know, what are they playing now? They gotta go back to the old nostalgia stuff, unless they go, unless they went to canned music with the discos.
0: Yeah, the, um, the, a lot of them are doing big, big acts like the Cirque du Soleil.
2: Oh, they got the Cirque du Soleil on the
0: ship. <laughs> yeah.
2: Oh, uh, they got them. Yeah.
0: Boy yeah. they made you know
2: they put they made a big breakthrough that circus so I think Steve Wynn made them.
0: Right. I remember they were
2: they were in Miami and I went to see them. Uh, it was just like an acrobatic circus uh show, you know, I didn't that much of them. But they were working for nothing. Because they were sponsored through the Canada and uh, right. the Canadian government and uh, so i when i went when I got involved with Paul lot, I was trying to bring him there because he had a big parking lot behind the Sahara. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it was a huge parking lot, and I said right. that you could put the show, you could put the show there. So he didn't want to go for it. But anyways, I think uh, Steve Wynn took them, and uh, he developed them into the Vegas scene. Before you know it, they became so big, they were doing shows for all the hotels. Right. Anyways, the re- the real acts that were working the hotels, they were all dying off. <laughs> Everybody was dying. It was It was a change of scenery.
0: Right. Yeah. And that's what I'm trying to say on the ships. It's not like the days you had it. Well, you know, and, yeah. In those days you could get the big, you know, those were the big acts and they were willing to pay. And plus in those days, you know, they weren't selling $500 a uh, week tours.
2: Who oh, knows? But I know that's what we got 12500 the first fucking week. It's Beautiful. Unbelievable. Beautiful. Beautiful. They should have a top budget of uh, 25000 for the main act.
0: Right. Fabulous. Well, you know, yeah. it's like the uh, airlines used to be, Rudy. The airlines, everybody used to go dress up. <clears throat> You know, you went to the airport. Everybody was dressed up to go to, on a flight. You know, it was a classy thing. Yeah. You got. How real... you just go with dungarees? <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like a it's like a bus stop now. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, well, listen, I one of the reasons that. You know, I wanted to start back up here as we've got a little interest from a potential, uh, you know, um, filmmaker to possibly get some funding, maybe even get in touch with uh, Stevie Wonder. And uh, so what I wanted to do was kind of, I I think I read you the, uh, or at least you got it. According to Susanna, she gave you the uh, pitch that I put together. For uh, for the film for any producer that comes along, so that we can tell them what the you know what what's involved here, what uh, the history is, etc. Um, you told me last week that you read that.
2: Oh yeah, it was pretty good. It was in
0: fact very good. But uh, well, we got to pull in a lot of different parts. Like well, that's what I want to try to do uh, today. And uh, so if we can maybe go back and, you know, I've got the file in front of me. And then if we can, um, you know, kind of go and talk about the parts that are missing, uh, you know, maybe we can, you know, start to tighten this up. Because I think what we have here, you know, I know somebody that you know well uh, um, said that he wanted to do a book, but then he never did. And, uh, you know, because he wanted a lot of money to do it. And so I think, obviously, the film is what we're after. But we're also after uh, a book and the whole thing. I mean, I mean, each one is going to put what they call transmedia. Each one will play off the other one. How, how does that work? What do you mean each one pays off? Well, in other words, you know, if you... Obviously, when you get a book and you get a publisher, they're going to promote the book like crazy. It gets put on, so, it gets put on TV, radio, etc. Um, you know, it, it might even make the New York Times bestseller list. <laughs> that's a
2: that's
0: a good one. The New well, York Times. I mean, well, yeah, I mean, what I'm learning about the publishing industry is that. They, they have different categories of books, and what a bestseller doesn't mean the bestseller in the whole country, it means a bestseller for that category. Well, in other words, yeah, whatever. But I mean, I'm just saying that a book gets a lot of attention in places that a film doesn't, and a film gets a lot of attention in places a book doesn't. But together, yeah.
2: you know. In our
0: case,
2: you know, case we're we'll never be able to put something out there to show somebody what, exactly. what we're trying to
0: do. That's the hardest well, part. That's why, I wrote, that's why I wrote the pitch. Now we have something to show people. And the next thing we yeah. want to do is write like a, a book or a screenplay so that it's easy for them to follow. Well, I had a, we had somebody from the,
2: an executive that we met from somebody who was very much interest in the, the project. So then they, they wanted us to, to, uh, get a, get a, get a note from everybody, a letter. So she could bring it to her committee of all the acts that wanted to participate and do do the show, you know? And uh, we couldn't get one. I think we got one, the whispers. Nobody understood what we were talking about. when well, we were trying to get them to give a letter of intent with no... In other words, you you weren't held to any responsibility. Like, we were trying to do it in September, and if you weren't available, you weren't held to the contract. We couldn't get one person other than the whispers to sign up. So, it's very hard to educate or tell these people what you're trying to do. I think the only thing they understand is a contract, how much they're getting, where they're going, and where they're going to perform. That's all they learned over the years. Other than that, it's very hard to try and get them to do anything. So maybe... Maybe the book deal is a good idea because then people can see it. And like we had even film guides, uh, that did movies. They were looking for something. You can't tell them about a story. They got to see it and write You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, well, that's why we've already got you know, a page and a half here, and then I want to write more pages. That's why I'm calling you, so we can fill in it, fill it in. Yeah. Well, that's uh,
2: that's uh, that's uh, that's one of the right ways of doing it. All
0: right. Uh, well, where where, where are you at? Okay, so I'm gonna read you what I first couple of lines. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> and uh, usually they have what they call a poster line. In other words, we're going to make a poster for the for the company. Hang on just a second. Hey, I'm doing a podcast. I'll call you back.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay, come on. Bye. Right, bye. I'm on a podcast right now. Come back. I'm, okay, I'm sorry, Rudy. All right, um, so oh. anyway... If you look at a movie, it's got a poster. You know, every time you go to the movies, you walk in and there's a poster there. Right, <laughs> some, right. Some, some description. Okay, so this is what we came up with. In fact, it this came out of one of the podcasts. I think it was one of the, um, was Eddie B. or somebody came up with the line. Hookers, pimps, gangsters, cops, celebrities, and the greatest musical acts in the world. The sugar shack that's pretty good yeah and then a description is uh, a documentary in the genre of muscle shoals standing in the shadows of motown and cbgb the film focuses on the times music and artists create who created the story of old school music its premier club, and the man who made it all possible. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. In 1967, um, after overcoming the debilitating effects of childhood onset polio and establishing himself as one of Boston North End's more well-known characters, Rudy Garino befriended Italo-, Italo American crooner Jerry Vale, who introduced him to a new um, personal uh, adventure: the music business. Yeah,
2: you're reading me the thing, and you what about? I'm trying to I'm trying to figure this out. You to fill in the
0: fill in different parts like as you go along. Well, this is this is just an outline, a quick outline. All right. right, Well, keep going.
2: uh... Yeah. Well, this is one of the first. Go ahead.
0: So well. Huh? Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah, I'm just going down what I wrote. What they call a pitch. In other words, we're going to use this to pitch the film to give them a brief idea right. of what it's about. It's a quick pitch. Okay, go ahead. Okay, so I'll I'll repeat that. Um. In 1967, after overcoming the debilitating effects of childhood onset polio and establishing himself as one of Boston North End's most well-known characters, Rudy Garino befriended Italo-American crooner Jerry Vale, who introduced him to a new personal adventure, the music business. That's right, okay, good. That's all we so we know that, so what I need now is more detail, in other words, you know what year did you meet him? Do you think approximately um, you know how you met him, and you know, so we can fill in some of the details so we can start the book, start the movie. Well, I mean, there was a most quick... of
2: this. Uh, there was a friend of mine who used to always invite me to Jerry Vale's opening and party. He used to get together with Jerry and all that. He was promoting Jerry. And uh, I said, I am not interested in music. I mean, uh, what am I, I don't have nothing in common with him, you know. At the yep. time. So how I got interested in when I went to see the Joseph story. Then I should yeah,
0: do you remember how that's one of the things I want to talk to you about. How old were you when you saw that story? Uh hard to tell. Yeah. I mean we twenty to 30? We have to, yeah. Were you twenty we years have, old? Were you thirty years old?
2: We have to find out when the movie came out, so uh, the pinpoint that oh, how do you okay. remember how old? But Okay. I
0: was I, I was in my twenties, early twenties. Okay. Was the and, was it what was the title? The Al Jolson story? Yeah, the Jolson story. Okay. And then and um that that turned me around. When I saw that,
2: I went to see the show. I went to see the movie all over the city of Boston. In those days, the the thing would open up on Washington Street, the main theaters, and then play the surrounding areas of the city. So I went to every. I went. To, I went to see it seventeen times. I was so carried away with it. 17 times, and then wow. I knew I knew the film by heart, I knew the songs by heart and everything, and uh, so then I went looking for my friend, I said, where's this Jerry Vale, I'd like to meet him, so that's okay. when I met Jerry, and we became very friendly.
0: All right. So you were you were in your twenties when you met him. I was rare. You were What'd in you your twenties. You were in oh, your twenties. Yeah. You, you were. Yeah. Yeah. You were in your twenties when you met Jerry Vale. Twenties. I Yeah. And but you didn't open the club till you were in your thirties, right? I was thirty-eight when I opened the club. Right. So you were born in nineteen thirty. Nineteen uh, twenty nine, January nineteen twenty nine. Okay, all right, good. See, these are <laughs> these are the uh, these are the things that will help. Um, so, so, what you say? What? What? Uh, January? What day in January? Twenty third. Okay, January twenty third, twenty nine. Okay, great. Okay, so. So then, there was a big jump between hanging out with Jerry Vale and the time you opened the club. Right. So there you, was a big.
2: Were you, oh, uh, yes, I was. We were we were together for years, and uh, we went to Florida. I mean, we went to Vegas. We stood there seventeen weeks. Uh, um. I'm trying to figure, maybe, maybe it
0: wasn't that much. So you guys yeah, were it. more than just... The what? You guys were more than just friends. I mean, you were really tight. Oh, yeah, yeah. Every, every,
2: every he
1: went, he wanted me with
0: him, you know, and all that. Wow. So... Were you, uh, so you must have went to all the shows, all the parties, stayed in the best hotels? Yep. We did the whole round. <laughs> 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 well, you got to give me a little better than yep. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you no. a funny story. He was, uh, he he was, was very ready. proud of
2: we, we, we He was very friendly with uh, Tony Bennett and Buddy Greco because they were all all tied in with the same group in New York, you know. And uh, when when Buddy Greco came to town, I was trying to look up for him and... uh, got to
0: get these dates together.
2: And and then the funny thing is, when Tony Bennett came to town, I said, hey, I can't, i got my own business to worry about, Jerry. I can't take care of all these guys. And Tony Bennett is still singing 90 years. He's in his 90s. He's appearing today at the Steve Wynn, one of the Steve Wynn Hotels. And uh Yep. So I turned out yeah, they still singing.
0: Okay. Good. All right, now you also met people like you used to, told me you used to have breakfast with Nat King Cole. Oh yeah.
2: That's right. When we were at the Sands, we were there for seventeen weeks. I got very friendly with him. You know, chit chatting and all that stuff. And uh, Carver Monica was the guy that introduced me to him. He was a comic. Do you remember Cobbett Monica? I met him. No, not Carver Monica, his brother. He, he, he was on the Joey Bishop show.
0: Yeah, Monica. Mon- Mon- had- I huh? I
2: worked with him. You remember the Joey Bishop show on television? Yes. Well Corbett Monica, I I can't think of his brother's name. His brother was like Joey Bishop's sidekick. He was a comic too. And uh he's the guy that does acting cool. Oh, okay. Yeah, well I worked with
0: Corbett Monica. You did well. He has. A, he had a
2: brother. He had a brother that was a comedian. Okay. I can't think of his name. He was the he was the sidekick uh, for Joey uh, Joey. Uh, what's his name? Joey Bishop. Uh, yeah, Joey, Joey Bishop. Bishop. Yeah, he used to work with Joey Joey Bishop. Not Joe. Who the hell? Is... I'm getting the names, sir. I'm getting the names. Again, getting... you know what I gotta do? I gotta sketch this out myself.
0: Yeah, and, that'd uh... be
2: great.
0: Yeah, what I'm looking, for. what I'm looking for is, I want to go way back. I want to go back to when you and Jerry and Sticker were in the. Uh, in the fruit box business. His kids. In the what? In the fruit box. In the fruit box business. You used to sell the fruit boxes back to the fruit guys for fifty $0.25. Cents.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that was... Uh, I, I used to like apple pie when I was around 10, 12... And a, a friend of mine says, well, come with me. I'll show you how to get the apple pie. We went to the local stores in the north end, and they had cut their empty boxes. You know, when they come in with their stock, they they, they give us the empty cotton, So he knew a place down the way the... Where the the big mall is uh, at that time there was all meat meat uh, meat stores. Wait, what's South- the mall down there? Yeah. Quincy Market. Uh,
0: Southampton's Yeah, yes, the Quincy yes,
2: Market. Yes. Yeah, it, it was all uh, it was all meat stores. You know, meat company. Right. They used to cut the meat right. and sell it to the. So we used to go there with the cotton boxes. And they they used to give us a quarter of cotton. So there we went, we, went, we went, and we were in business. We went and got al- apple pie and ice cream.
0: Unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. And that's the beginning of you, Jerry, and Sticker in business.
2: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, that's, that's,
1: <laughs>
2: after I got the pool room, then I got the pool room.
0: Right. Did they help you in the pool room? Yeah. Okay, so you got the pool room at 16.
1: Yeah,
2: I was around 16, yeah. 17, like that. I also had a chauffeur. I couldn't drive. I had a 38 Chevy. And I had this guy driving me
0: around. (laughs) <laughs> how how old were you when they had the chauffeur?
2: I think I was sixteen or seventeen because in those days they had the clutch. You know, they remember oh, yeah, the old yeah, cars. Yeah, So, and I couldn't uh, I couldn't get on the clutch and the brake fast enough, so I couldn't drive. Then when the automatic came out, the hydromatics. Yep, and uh, yeah, about three or four years later, they come out with the automatic, so I was all right. So I got my money. Uh, yeah, that's funny. it. I had a chauffeur. I had a. I got to write to you. I got to these things down. Right
0: You're now,
2: right. I can't. And,
0: and also, but then, but then you, then you chauffeured uh, and Jerry and.
1: Jewel. Well, when
0: I had yeah, the pool old, room, yeah. How old Jerry was you then? What, 19? Yeah, what was huh? Nineteen. When you were you
2: nineteen when you did that? Uh, I I forgot. Yeah, it, it couldn't be more than that. Yeah, uh, when I had the pool, when I had the pool, uh, and okay. the brother used to come down and say, "Come on, you got to drive Jerry somewhere." And uh, I started driving them around for about a, at least a year.
0: Right. And
2: right. they gave me a job, $20 a week. And uh, I used to go and pick up some envelopes. I think <laughs> I was pick up some... One run, one run, one run a day. I used to go to Roxbury and back. Oh, that's funny. For twenty dollars a week.
0: <laughs> and that's uh, like you told me before, you didn't do any of the big jobs, just jobs like that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh.
2: You know what I gotta do?
1: I gotta get together.
2: Uh, my homeworker is here. Yeah, No, I'm, not, I'm on the phone. I have a homeworker, and uh, she's here now because, uh, and you know, she helps me out with a lot of things. Uh, uh, so we gotta continue this tomorrow, maybe just tomorrow <laughs> or the next day or Monday. We'll
0: do it next Thursday.
2: All right, right. next Thursday. I'll keep some notes.
0: Yeah, start taking notes so we can...
2: When that Joseph story come out, because that'll give me a little... Yeah, I'll
0: look at... Yep. Oh, here. Hang on. I'll tell you right now. I'll tell you when it came out. Hang on.
2: When that was released.
0: Okay. Okay. Hang on. Joseph's story. October 10, 1946. When? October 10, 1946. You were 17. No, what's the date? What's the year? 1946. Oh, 1946.
2: So, 46... You were 17. Uh, 17. All right. So now I can go from there. Yep. Yeah, I can go from there. 17. Uh, I think I was in the pool room still. Yeah, all right. I got to go because I got my homeworker here and they're, they're on a talk. Okay,
0: okay, I'll let you go. Okay, i let you go, but I want you to even think back earlier than that. I want you to give me lots of details. All right. Well, they saw I
2: can't give you. I got to get some clearance. Uh, I don't know. I got to speak to a lawyer or something. Okay. All right. I'll talk to you later. All right. Bye.